Well, welcome today to week two of our series called Unoffendable. I want to welcome those of you that are here live with us, those of you that are watching online as well. If you have a Bible today, you want to turn to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to hang out for the most part. In Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be hanging out. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures that I'll be talking about, all the points I'll be making will be on the screens that are provided for you. If you're watching online right now live, there's actually a little button there in the upper right-hand corner you can push. That's called Talk Notes. You can get all the notes. Those of you that are here with us live, if you go to our website, exponential.church, you're able to get all the notes there as well. As you continue to turn to Romans chapter 12, let me just do a little bit of a recap of what we talked about last week. I was sharing with you, you know, this has been a crazy year, hasn't it? Yeah, would you you agree? This has been an absolutely crazy year. Every time you think it can't get any worse, it seems to get just a little bit worse. And, you know, I was thinking this week that when I was a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, I thought by 2020 we'd be like moving around in flying cars and stuff. But instead, here we are hoarding toilet paper and being entertained by a gay tiger owner. I mean, it's just been a completely crazy, crazy year. Um, And... uh, Again, you add in that there's been, you know, the pandemic and the arguments about masks, and you add in, you know, the the whole thing with the politics and racial relations and all the arguments about all that. Man, it just, I'll be be glad for this one to be done. How many of you with me, right? Glad for 2020 to be done. But this whole environment has created such a, a place that it's like, man, you know, everybody is just so highly offended right now. Have you found that as well? It just seems like everything and everyone is just offended. So I thought, man, we've got to do this little series right now called Unoffendable and just talk about what does this look like and and how do we deal with it? Because as I shared with you last week, this is one of Satan's favorite things to trap you in. If you remember, the, the actual Greek word for offense is scandalon, and it literally means the bait it's the bait that is used in a trap that, you know, when you, you want the trigger to go off. And so there's this bait that you put there for the animal. And when it takes that bait, the, the trap goes off and it either kills or it cages the animal. And Satan does the exact same thing to us. Spiritually speaking, he wants you to take the bait of offense. He wants you to get trapped. He wants you to get killed spiritually because of what he's doing. I said to you, look, you, you can't take that bait. We've got to be smarter than that. And here was our big thought from last week. If you're uh, taking notes, actually, I think I may have just given you the whole thing. I didn't even put a fill in the blank for you because it's, it's something obvious from last week that avoiding an offense is impossible, but living offended is a choice. You can't escape all the different ways that people may try to offend you, but you can choose how you're going to react to it. And so I said to you, look, you've got to think of offense like a bear trap. Because no matter how big you are, no matter how powerful you are, when a bear gets caught in a trap, it's caught. And and bears are huge. But when it gets caught, it's caught there. It's the same way with us. Satan is putting this this bear trap called a fence down on the ground. And there's all kinds of things that he puts in there as bait to try to get you. But you have got to be smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to step over that trap or I'm going to go around that trap. I'm not going to get caught in it just like everybody else in the world is doing. The world may be doing it, but as followers of Jesus, we have got to be smarter than that. We've got to use some wisdom. Now, last week we talked about how to overcome minor offenses. Today I want to get into one of the major types of offenses that many of you may deal with. I know I've dealt with it in the past as well, and that is this 
piece of bait that Satan throws out at us called revenge. Now, how many of you in times in the past when you've been hurt, when you think about that situation, when you think about that particular person that hurt you, you're like, I want to get revenge. Come on, be honest. Be honest there in the chat. How many of you, yes or no in the chat? Did you want to get revenge or not? If you wanted to get revenge, come on, right? You want to get revenge. Just the, the very thought of, man, they hurt me. I want to get them back. I want to get them back. I want to make them hurt in the way that I've been hurt. In fact, I want to make them hurt even more than what I've been hurt. And where did we learn it? Well, we learned it when we were little kids, right? You're out on the playground. Somebody pushes you. What do you do? You push them back. Little kid takes something of yours. What are you going to do? You're going to take something of theirs. Unfortunately, we never outgrow this. In fact, it gets worse when you're an adult because here's what happens. We say, not only am I going to get you back, but I'm going to get you back worse than what you got me. And this isn't a new problem. We only have to get four chapters in the Scripture, right in the book of Genesis. Chapter 4, we find this man by the name of Lemek. And, and here's what we read about Lemek, Genesis 4, 23 to 24. One day Lemek said to his two wives, okay? <laughs> One day Lemek said to his two wives, a young man wounded me and I killed him. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lemek 77 times. Now be honest, how many of you have a little Lemek spirit in you? That when somebody hurts you, they hurt your loved one. When somebody slanders you at work, uh, maybe it's your spouse or your kids or a family member, you know, it's a, a friend. You've gotten hurt in some way, and you're like, I'm not only going to get you back, I'm going to get you back worse than you got me. Have you ever been that way? I, I know I have. When, when I was a teenager, I've told you before, I, I used to be a professional magician. I started doing that when I was uh, 16 years old, and I did that all the way up until 29 years old, I think it was. So 13 years, I was a professional magician, traveled around and stuff, but I actually worked at a magic shop. And... For the most part, we got along pretty well as, you know, fellow magicians there and everything. But when you're around, you know, people, you know, always playing tricks, you tend to do practical jokes on one another. And, oh, man, we would get each other pretty good. But I was still pretty young, and I didn't like it when they got me. And so when somebody got me, I was like, you're going to get it. And I would get them really good. In fact, it got so bad that the boss finally said, guys, you got to stop. <laughs> it's, it's just gotten ridiculous here. But, but we have this, this spirit in us that's like, I'm going to get you back for what it is that you've done to me. We have this limic spirit. Now, thankfully, when I became a Christian, much of that desire for revenge, uh, it, it went away, but not fully, not fully. And let me tell you why. And by the way, this is why revenge is such a powerful piece of uh, uh, bait that, that Satan has against us. It's such a sneaky trap. Here's what I put on your outline. Here's why I felt that way, and here's why you felt that way. It is right to want justice. It is right that you want justice. Now, here's why I say that. God is a just God. A lot of times when we think of God, we think that, oh, God's a loving God. And he wants to forgive us. And yes, he does. But God is also a just God. And God has to punish sin. God has to take the things that have been wrong and punish it. 
That's justice. It has to happen. And so the reason that you want justice in your life is because you were made in the image of God. And so when you want justice against somebody that's wronged you and hurt you, that's just an attribute of God that's coming out of you. So from a biblical standpoint, it's right that you want justice. But there's a second part to this uh, point I'm going to make. It's right to want justice, but it's wrong to take revenge. Say that again. It's right to want justice, but it's wrong to take revenge. You're going, Gilbert, that sounds like a, a contradiction. I mean, if I don't do something to, to get back at these people that hurt me, how are they ever going to know that what they've done is wrong? How will justice ever be served? Well, thankfully, Jesus actually answers that question. Now, before I actually get to what Jesus has to say about how is justice going to be served, let me just say to you that what Jesus is going to say is so radically different than what everybody in all of human history had said up to him. All the great philosophers, all the great thinkers had always said, you need to take revenge on your enemies. In fact, how many of you ever heard of Aristotle before? You've heard of Aristotle? He lived about 350 years or so before the time of Jesus. Look at what Aristotle has to say about this particular topic. To take vengeance on one's enemies is nobler than to come to terms with them. For to retaliate is just, and that which is just is noble. And further, a courageous man ought not to allow himself to be beaten. Now, at first, when you read that, you go, hmm, that Aristotle, he, he kind of makes sense. That sounds good. But then along comes Jesus. And look at what Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 28. Jesus says, this is what I say to all who will listen to me. Love your enemies and be good to everyone who hates you. Ask God to bless anyone who curses you and pray for everyone who is cruel to you. Now, not only was that radical in Jesus' day, that's radical in our day and time too, isn't it? To love your enemies, to be a blessing, to pray, to speak well, we don't see that very much in our society, do we? These are words we need to hear. And the question is, can any of you here today really make a, an argument that with all the hate and revenge that we see in our society, that our society and world is getting better? No, right? You can't make that argument. I know so far in the message, this is still not settling right with some of you because you're still going, but Gilbert, I want justice. They hurt me. They hurt my family. Somebody's got to do something to these people. Justice needs to be served. I mean, what you're saying is that I need to love my enemy and do good to those that hate me and bless those that curse me, pray for those that are cruel. How are they ever going to learn the lesson that what they did was wrong? Who's going to hurt them for the pain that they've caused me? Well, again, thankfully, God answers that for us. This time through the Apostle Paul, God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspires Paul to write something to the churches that were meeting in the city of Rome. Now, here's what you need to understand. Remember, Jesus lived in the time of the Roman Empire. And so Rome was the, the capital. 
Rome is where all the intellectuals lived. Rome was where all the great thinkers were at. Rome is where the laws were being written. Rome was heavily influenced by people like Aristotle and Plato. And so what Paul is going to write is just as radical as what Jesus had said before. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul writes, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you do what? By changing the way you, by changing the way you think. Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Now, what are the behaviors and the customs of the world when it comes to if you've been hurt, then what are you supposed to do? Yeah, get, get revenge. Pay them back in some way. That's the, the behaviors. That's the customs. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't be like everybody else. You've got to change the way you think about what happens anytime you've been hurt. Now, again, many of you are going, but still, what about these people? We need to get them back. Well, Paul, down in verses 17 and 18, he continues on. He says, no, no, no. Don't mistreat someone who has mistreated you, but try to earn the respect of others and do your best to live at peace with everyone. Now, you're going, Gilbert, that sounds great, but come on, it sounds also a little bit unrealistic as well. And you still haven't answered the question. What about justice? How are these people going to pay? Paul answers that in the very next verse. This is what you've been waiting for. Verse 19. Dear friends, don't try to get even. Let room for God to take revenge. For as the Lord has said, I am the one to take revenge and pay them back. Who is it that's going to take revenge? God is. It's God that is going to pay them back. And so here's what I want to do for the rest of today's message. Same thing we did last week. I want to take this one little short verse, and I want to unpack all the wisdom that we can find in it. So here's the first point on your outline. It's actually a point that I already made. It's our big thought for the day. It's right to want justice, but it's wrong to take revenge. It's right that you want justice. Why? Because you were made in the image of God, and God is a God of justice, but it's wrong for you to be the one that takes revenge. Now, the question I still have an answer for you is this. Why exactly is it that we want revenge? What do you think? In, in chat, what do you guys think? Why is it that we want revenge? Why do we want revenge? Pride is part of it? Yep, okay, that could be. What else? It's because we want justice, right? But you know what? There's more to it than just that. Last week, I shared with you about, you know, not taking the bait, but if you do take the bait, that it puts bitterness into your heart. What I didn't share with you is, once you have bitterness in your heart, what do you do about that? Because you want the bitterness out, don't you? And so a lot of revenge is you going, I'm hurt, I'm bitter about this, and this is going to make me feel better. And what do you think? Does revenge make you feel better? Yes or no? What do you think? All right, now you're saying no because you think that's the biblical thing to say. <laughs> Science has actually proven you wrong. In 2004, there was a team in Switzerland of psychologists 
that they wanted to do a study about revenge and how does it impact us from an emotional standpoint. And so what they did was they, they couldn't tell people that, you know, they were wanting to study revenge because that would set it up that people would intentionally try not to get revenge. So they brought subjects in and they did this whole study that they said is going to be about how wealth grows. And they created this little game where they gave the people money, the test subjects money, and they said, look, your compensation for being a part of this study is any money that you have at the end of the game will be yours to keep. This will be how you get paid to be a part of this study. Now, it wasn't going to be life-changing money, but it was still enough that people were going to play hard in the game and, and be interested in the outcome of how this game went. Now, what they didn't know was this wasn't a study about how to grow wealth. This was a study about revenge, and so what the researchers had done is they had set it up so that the rules basically really encouraged double-crossing one another, and that there was a system that they could actually take revenge on one another, and actually, if you got double-crossed, you could steal money back from that person, take revenge on them. Or even if it wasn't taking it back, that they just couldn't have it themselves. And what the researchers did is they hooked them up to the little sensors to the head so it could measure sort of the brain waves and what was happening and what was functioning and, and firing at the time. And they let them start playing this game. And what they discovered is that just even the thought of taking revenge, it made the part of the brain called the dorsal stratum, it made it just like light up. Now, that particular part of the brain is the part that Basically, it's the anticipation of reward coming or the, the sense of pleasure that you have. So a drug addict, just even the thought of taking drugs, it makes that part of the brain light up. When you guys like are thinking about, not that you would do it here at Exponential, but like when there's like the big Powerball you know, type of thing, just the thought of you winning the lottery, that's the, the part of your brain that sort of lights up. Uh, same thing like if you're thinking about sex, if you're thinking about going to your favorite restaurant, that's the part of the brain that just sort of lights up. It's this anticipation of reward and pleasure. And so again, just even the thought of taking revenge made that part of the brain sort of light up. Here's the problem. Just like when somebody's taking drugs or you're spending money that you don't have in order to play the lottery, or illicit sex, or overeating, the pleasure is just temporary. Long-term, there's harm. And here's what they discovered. Months later, they brought these test subjects back in. And again, the, the money wasn't life-changing, but months later when they interviewed them, the people who had gotten wronged in the game, even though they had taken revenge in the game, they were still bitter about it. The wounds were still there. Now, this was a game, but what we do is called real life. And so the, the reason you want revenge is you want to get that feeling out. You don't want that bitterness to be there anymore. But what the researchers showed was that, no, 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 no. You may get that little short-term fix that, oh, I, I, I got my way. But long-term, when you take revenge, it actually makes it worse for you instead of better. In other words, revenge doesn't diminish the pain. Revenge actually magnifies the pain long-term. And so that's why we can't fall into this trap. We can't take the bait 
that Satan has given us. We've got to let go of the bitterness. Now listen, I know some of you, you've been hurt in tremendous, tremendous ways in your life. It could have been abuse, rape, maybe you had a a spouse that cheated on you, maybe you had a parent that abandoned you, and many of us, we we can't understand the, the hurt that that caused you. But as I've been saying, you've got a choice. You've got a choice. You've got to learn to let it go. You can't take that bait anymore because all it's doing is it's hurting you more and more and more and more. By the way, isn't it cool that science finally caught up to Jesus? I mean, a lot of people go, you know, Christians are against science. No, we're not. Science is just people discovering what God has already, like, done. And so for years, the great thinkers and stuff said, you got to take revenge. That's what's going to work. Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. Love your enemies. Pray for those that want to harm you. People are like, no, 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 no. And then science goes, oh, actually, Jesus was right. So we got to let it go. You want justice. That's part of who God has created you to be. But you can't take revenge. So number two on your outline, it's God's job to take revenge because he's better at it than I am. The sooner you realize that God's better than everything else in life than what you are other than sin, the better off your life's going to be. And it's including here with revenge. Revenge is no different. In the verse here, God promises that he will take revenge. He'll he'll get the revenge for you. Now, it may not be in the way that you would like or even in the timing that you would have liked, but you need to trust him. I guess what I'm saying is you're not very good at revenge, and revenge isn't very good for you. Responding to evil with evil just makes the situation worse and worse and worse and worse. So number three then. We got to let room for God, which means to give God the opportunity to get in the ring to avenge us. Now, that little phrase there, let room for God, in the original Greek is the Greek word tapos, and it means a place of opportunity. Okay? A place for opportunity. Here's how I want you to think about this one. Any of you, like, weird like me and, like, you grew up, or maybe you still do this, uh, and, and you love professional wrestling. Yeah? Any, anybody? How about in the chat? It, who, who was your favorite wrestler in chat? Let, let, let the people in chat know who your favorite wrestler was. For me, it was obvious, right? I, I grew up Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah? And I learned to take my vitamins and pray that way, right? Because <laughs> of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and you had the bad guys like Andre the Giant, the Iron Sheik, and then, you know, later on came Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh, yeah, right? You know, and you, you got all these guys. And, and, man, it was just so great. And, and one of my favorite forms uh, of wrestling was what was called tag team wrestling because I had three other cousins, male cousins, were all the same age, and so we like to pretend like we were the tag team wrestlers. You know how tag team wrestling works? We actually have a picture here for you. Uh, tag team wrestling works like this. It's teams of two, but only one person from each team is allowed in the ring. 
And if at any moment you're getting obliterated by your opponent, what you can do is you can reach out and you tag your partner in. And then they get in and they take over and you, you exit the ring, right? And what you got to realize about your life is in the game of life that we're in, when you're hurt, when somebody's slandered to you, when somebody's done something wrong to you, God is over in your corner and he's going, hey, hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Tag me in. Tag me in. I'm bigger than you are. I'm stronger than you are. Just tag me in. Let me take care of this. I'll handle that punk for you. God knows better than you do how to take care of the situation. And he is. He's bigger than you are. He's stronger than you are. He's in your corner and he's going, please, 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 just tag me in. I'll take care of it. Now, guys, gentlemen, let me talk to you for a second. We tend to struggle in this particular area because we think that, well, if I don't take care of it, then that's not the manly thing to do. But we've got to get out of that mindset. Remember, Paul said, don't have all the behaviors and the customs and the, the thinking patterns of everybody else. You've got to change the way you think. And so now you just like, have you met my friend Jesus? <laughs> right? You don't have to do anything about it. Tag Jesus in to the situation and he'll take care of it for you. Listen, revenge gives you the illusion of control, but in the end, it's always a losing battle. So you got to tag God in. Then the final point then is sort of the same point, but from a different perspective. So point number four, when I take revenge, I leave God out and thus continue to hurt. I mean, think about how much time you've wasted in life just contemplating revenge. Not only is it wasted time, but as science has proven, the wound stays open. The bitterness is still in your heart. And I've shared this with you before, and it's not original to me, but there's this saying that says, you know, when you hold bitterness in your heart, it's basically like you drinking a cup of poison and then expecting that your enemy is going to get sick. Think about that for a second. It's like you drinking a cup of poison and expecting that your enemy is going to get sick. It just doesn't work that way. Remember, revenge is God's job. So you got to let it go. You can't take the bait. By the way, even if it's a great idea, because Satan's going to give you some great ideas of how you're going to get revenge. I don't care how good the idea is. You've got to let it go. You've got to learn to step over it. You've got to learn to go around it. Why? Why is this so important? Well, it's because there's a lot of things that are at stake in your life. See, if you hold on to bitterness and this sense of, I want revenge in my marriage, then your marriage is at stake. If you're the person at work that's always mean and grumpy and, and bitter and always trying to get back at people, then your career advancement is at stake. Your kids, your grandkids, the influence that you're having on them, it's at stake if they're just seeing you just constantly just berating people and, and trying to get revenge. They're going to grow up and it's going to be the exact same way. Look, what do you want said about you at your funeral? 
that, oh, there lies John, there lies Sally. Boy, were they bitter. They had some hurt in their past, and they just were never, ever let, able to let it go. Or do you want people at your funeral to go, wow, you know what? They had some really bad stuff that went on in their life, but with God's help, they were able to let it go, and they gave it to him, and they lived with such peace in their lives. Listen, I know you want to take the bait and get that little short-term buzz that revenge is going to give you, but you can't do it. Instead, remember Jesus' words to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who are being cruel to you. And Paul wraps up then Romans chapter 12, verse 21 with these words. Don't let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. All that pent-up energy that you want to, oh, I want to get revenge on this person. Don't defeat evil with evil. Defeat evil with good. Take all that energy and invest that into a better marriage. Invest that into a better workplace, a better school, a better community, a better church, a better neighborhood. The best way that you can get revenge is to take revenge on Satan. He wants you to take his bait, fall into his trap. But you can go, no, 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 Satan. Uh -uh. I'm going to get revenge on you. This is not going to defeat me. I'm going to defeat your evil with good. And so I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to pray for those that are persecuting me. I'm going to speak well of those who are against me. Don't defeat evil with evil. Defeat evil with good. So let's look at our key verse one last time here. Dear friends, don't try to get even. Let room for God to take revenge. For as the Lord has said, I am the one to take revenge and pay them back. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for just the wisdom that we find in your word and Lord, that we don't have to take revenge because you'll do that on our behalf. And Lord, I know that there are people that are here with us or maybe watching online that have had some deep, deep wounds in their past. And their whole desire is that that person would get paid back. And Lord, we understand that biblically speaking, that that's that sense of wanting justice and that's an okay feeling. But us plotting and us scheming and, and trying to figure out ways that we're going to get revenge, that is wrong. So Lord, help us to right now just to tag you in. Say, God, I, I know I can't defeat this, but I know you can. And that you will get vengeance on my behalf. And while you're getting vengeance... I'll get peace in my heart and peace in my life that that bitterness and that pain will go away. So Lord, I, I pray that just right now, supernaturally, you would be doing that for people, that they would feel that sense of release in their body and in their life. That it's in their past. It's gone. Don't need to take revenge anymore.
Jesus, thank you that you took our sin. That justice had to be served for our sin. Somebody had to pay for our sin. And you took that for us. So that we could be forgiven, so that we could be set free. Help us never ever to take that for granted. That you died in our place. You took on our punishment. That God's wrath was poured out on you instead of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you did that for us and that you send your spirit now to to live inside of us to give us a brand new life, a life where we can live and and walk in your image. So, Father, once again, I, I pray that we wouldn't follow the behaviors and the customs of the world, but our minds would be renewed, our, our thinking would be changed in every way so that we can become more and more like you and be your hands and be your feet and be your mouth to a lost and hurting world to show them that you are the way you are the truth you are the life and that no one comes to the father except through you so jesus use us use us to make a difference here in harrisburg and beyond and i pray all this in your great and holy name the name of jesus amen